Prince mixing up the winning potion. And so damn, fan base going loco. Even 49 are inside of Matt Mayoko. Faithful then, faithful now, the epitome. You know Parag got that contract wizardry. Al Guido, for the needle, for the competition. Brick by brick, brick by brick, building the tradition. Hit by hit, hit by hit, seeing the position. 49 are empire, this the composition. Ray Sala got them foaming out the mouth. Gladiators on the battlefield, hits in any route. Long awaited, definite retribution. Jimmy G cocking back, aiming like he's shooting. I remember mission down the Broadway, celebrating Super Bowl victories all day. And welcome to Niners Radio. We have me, Brian, Mr. Eric, and Miss Dina. How we doing, gentlemen and ladies? It's been a doozy of a day. It, it, it's going to be a big, big <laughs> show, guys. Big, big show. So, I hope everyone's doing well today. And, uh, you know, th- this seems like it's a every week thing, but uh, we will give, re- obviously, respect to the people who need it. And uh, we first like to send our prayers out to Don Banks, who was a legend covering Vikings, Buccaneers, and Patriots, but covered all the NFL teams. Uh, he was well-respected around the league and was only 56 years old. Another gentleman, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, Nick Bonacani, who is saying he launched a charity to cure paralysis, has died after struggling with dementia. He was 78 years old, and obviously he was also known for inside the NFL. Um, wow. You know, two great guys. Two great guys. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, we, we do want to mention our thoughts and prayers go out to the families and the loved ones in El Paso and Ohio shootings. It, it just makes you sick. Uh, you know, uh, you know, live your fullest. May, may God's angels be beside you if, if it is your time. But, you know, guys, um, a lot of deaths, but. You know, these were uh, people that obviously it was their time to go. So, um, but the, uh, you know, these these targeting, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's, uh, you know, it's just, all you can say is just, you know, prayers. Um, just a, a terrible thing. And, uh, you know, what can you say? What can you say? So, um, you know, but, um, you know, I, I do want to go to our our kind of update, pre-update before we get our guests on this afternoon. Uh, now, this Nick Boza versus Joe Staley is really starting to stand out. You know, Joe Staley got him one, one game, one day, second one, obviously Nick Boza. And obviously, Nick Boza is showing why he was second pick of the uh, NFL draft. So, you have been selected to take part in 
And obviously, uh, you know, Joe Staley uh, gave credit where credit was due. And uh, they both were talking, giving each other props, stuff that Joe Staley didn't see with hand movement. And, you know, that's something that that's great for, you know, both sides of the ball with the 49ers upgrading their pass rushes here with uh, obviously Nick Boza, drafting Nick Boza at number two, and then drafting, obviously trading for uh, defensive end uh, Mr. Ford, who uh, we will talk about later in the show. Uh, but, you know, obviously that's where it's, it starts. You know, you you have to have a pass rush. And, uh, you know, that's where that's kind of where we're going here. So, you know, um, you know, a good pass rush, obviously, Eric, you know, what does that, what does that do for the, the DBs and secondaries? Oh, on the back end, no mm-hmm. question. It gives you a time to go in the stands, wipe your nose, and have a Coke if you got a good pass rush. If you don't have a pass <laughs> rush, it's like the atom bomb is going off every every moment, so you got to cover your tail. So, and you got to hold your coverage longer. But you can go have a coke, some cracker jack, and order order or order of fries when you got good pass rush. Five seconds, a great pass rusher should be home. And yeah. the quarterback should be rushed to throw the ball. So, uh, hey, if Boza can do that, that can free up some of the guys on the back end. And Boza has the pedigree, and he should be uh, have some developed tricks in his bag his brother down in San Diego Absolutely. teaching him everything. So, so hey, uh, key to both is he got to yep. stay healthy. So, just like anything else, he can't be a crystal on, on the field and wear glass slippers and get them broke. He got to show up on Sundays. That's right. And, and obviously with a good pass rush, I would imagine, you know, your defensive coordinator can do a lot of other stuff. Um, you know, if the other side is you know, double blocking these guys. Uh, you, you know, you can bring your corner, linebacker, safety blitzes, whatever it might be. And obviously it, that helps the defense. And, um, you know, they have to count for those uh, the stunts and everything else. I mean, I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, Eric. Well, it uh, gives you – an arsenal of weapons that you can mm-hmm. play and have in your scheme when you do have a force up front. Uh, the type of coverages, the pressure that you put on the quarterback, the hairy throws that makes turnovers and interceptions. So, that is really great for a young defense to have uh, plus minus or, or whatever they they say it is turnover ratio. That means a lot sure. during the course of the season. 
tired, wore down, beat up, when you can't mm-hmm. go three and out, and you have long, consistent drives by the offense during the course of the year, the season gets long, guys get tired, guys get beat up. That's where all the injuries occur. Guys have to make plays, turnovers, knockdowns, three and out, nipple. Mm-hmm. Got to get off the field on nipple situations and third and longs. And you got to short yardage. You got to make plays. And you got to be really stingy on the defensive end. Yeah, discipline. That makes, I mean, how many times that I makes mean, how many times I can, that makes it? Sorry about that. That makes a successful defense. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, which you know, obviously, I think Kyle and John looked at this and said, you know, how many games we were in last year, and I think there was only two really blowouts that. You know, a good pass rush, you know, maybe it maybe changes the game or, you know, obviously if you don't, you know, hit a guy or like we said, discipline football obviously gets gets your defense off the field. And obviously the more rest you can get them, the better you're going to be. So saying that, you know, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Eric. I don't know. There's no question. When when yeah. you have a very when you have a very successful, nasty, stingy, gritty, snot in your nose, growling defense, that makes it good for the offense. If you can keep your offense on the field, give them chance and opportunity. Better for Jimmy G to get off and have a great year. Absolutely. And you know, as, as we started, obviously starting these shows coming this year. You know, I was watching a lot of film from last year, and I said, "Has this team improved when they came off the field from that forty-eight thirty-two loss versus the Rams last year?" Even though we all remember the Kittles. You know, shared in single season receiving yards by a tight end. You know, taking over Kelsey and the Gronk records. You know that that was awesome. Um, end up with 149 yards that last game, and it was a good momentum going into the season. And then obviously, like I said, adding pieces like D Ford, uh, running back Tevin Coleman, linebacker you know on Alexander, wide receiver Jordan Matthews. You know, adding all these parts. And now you get to see coaches are getting these guys ready for week one versus Tampa and see, you know, how these mesh. And, you know, there's a lot of talk on Twitter, at least this week, about, you know, what do you do is four, four games, um, obviously way too much. Yes, I believe. You know, I, I think it should be a three-game preseason, um, add, add another regular season game, since they want that, not the players, the owners, and probably give them a second bye week so everyone has two bye weeks during the season. 
um, you know, for obviously teams that go in the playoffs, you know, you're talking, you know, you're talking 16 weeks. If you make a wild card, you're talking 17, you know, 19 games, you know, 20 games. If you, if you go all the way to the Super Bowl, um, you know, that's a lot of torch and, and just physical uh, to play football, to put the pads on, uh, you know, and we could talk about this on and on, but, you know, something's got to be done because, you know, you're, you're starting to see a lot more of these injuries pop up and every year. Um, that's why, you know, during the first season game, preseason game this Saturday at 6 p.m., Cowboys versus 49ers, um, you probably will only see, you know, some of the first stringers, maybe one or maybe two possessions, depending if Kyle has a, a count on, you know, what, you know, if, if it's a, you know, how many plays they want to run and then take the, the projected first stringers off and, and let the other guys get, get some play. Um, Kyle did say today that Jimmy will play in the second, third game. Um, crazy enough, the third game is against Kansas City where he hurt his ACL. You know, that should be interesting. And uh, I don't think – I think Jimmy's going to slide. <laughs> that would be good advice for Jimmy. Let's slide, Jimmy. Get out of bounds. Um, and it was – Kyle was making a joke this week uh, when they decided to do a uh, trip play where Jimmy obviously uh, swing it out to, to the uh, – like a bubble screen and have Jimmy go to the end zone to catch it for a touchdown – um, Jed York did not like that. Kind of gave the dirty look to Kyle, and and Kyle said jokingly, "I, I think we have to take that out of the playbook, um, at least when Jimmy's in there." So, um, yeah, that was an interesting uh, <laughs> that was an interesting story there. So, you know, it, it's going to be a fun year, guys. Um, you know, they started off with the Cowboys Saturday at 6 p.m. Pacific time at Levi Stadium. Um, I think there's a couple tickets still available uh, if you want to go. And, uh, yeah, Cowboys, 49ers, the real rival, you know. Um, you know, we could – oh, jeez. It's kind of ironic that, you know, we have Eric on the show. Um, the 87 book launch is tomorrow. Um I mean, it's just going to be an amazing, amazing year. And, you know, we're going to be talking a little bit about Dwight Clark tonight. And it's going to <laughs> – I just can't wait for the season. And, uh, you know, these are some uh, good opportunities um, for these young young players to come on, you know, get learn the offense and uh, make, a, make a name for themselves. Right, Eric? Well, that's what you uh, hope and wish for the uh, the younger guys mm-hmm. that you draft, sign as free agents. Uh, the free agent guys come from other teams. You want the competitiveness to be so high in camp that everybody is fighting each other for jobs. You want to make the coach's decision as hard as possible 
and to make the competition so tight that it's hard to get rid of these guys. When it's when 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 it's that kind of camp, that's a good that's a good problem to have. You got the competition, guys are really working their tails off, injuries. You're gonna always get injuries. So you guys just gotta just gotta work through them and the next man on deck he has to be good enough so he can take that starter guys when when you have those issues you got good problems when the younger guys get experience that can hold up everyday plays and that can make plays mm-hmm. stay on the field you don't have a drop off in talent so that's that that means your uh, your scouts, everybody in the organization has done their job to bring in talent that can get you in position to win football games on Sundays, and, and hopefully that carries over, and you have a you have a really successful season that can get you in the playoffs, and that's that's what you live for. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the thing is, you know, obviously you see these guys, you know, even people who don't get drafted, it doesn't matter if you get drafted or not, but, you know, to come on and, you know, show these guys, you know, this is just go out there, listen to your coaches, play to your best of your ability, and let's hope, let's hope that you make that final roster. Worst well, case scenario. Well, the one thing, yeah. the, the one thing is, it makes a whole lot of difference if you get drafted or not. Believe it or not, you get it reps. Does. Okay. You get a, you get more reps than the next guy if you just is the hundred and fifty seven guy in the draft. You know what I mean? Compared that to, is true. That is true. Compared to if you were a fifth round pick, it makes uh, the whole hell of a lot of difference. Okay, but mm-hmm. what the real competitive guy comes in the training camp thinking: if a guy go down, he gets hurt. Guess what? I get my shot. Really yep. And to let the coaches really, really know who I am. Why did? Why am I here? You need to prove that. You need to. You need to catch the coach's eye. Because guess what? Film don't lie. No. No. Absolutely. Once they get you. Well, once they get you on film. Now, we have, obviously, three uh, wide receivers coming on today. Um, we have two of them now, okay? Um, obviously, uh, let's welcome uh, three-time Super Bowl champion. It lived out every boy's fantasy to catch a game-winning touchdown to win a Super Bowl oh, in Super Brian, Bowl 23. Brian, Brian, time out. Brian, Come on, time out. 
Oh, listen, hold on, listen, Brian. Listen, time up. Not, you got, you got, you got, you got, hold you got, on. What, what guy are you talking about? Are you talking about three times right. or four times? Well, if, I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you this now. Number 82, Mr. John Taylor. Mr. Taylor, how are we doing, sir? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Great. See, he's talking smack already. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have four-time Super Bowl champion. <laughs> he was the third wide receiver behind Mr. Dwight Clark and doing great. So we welcome Mr. The Real Number 85, Mike Wilson. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm I'm doing fine and, and enjoying listening to you and Eric talk about football. <laughs> well, I just I just wanted to make sure he was he was very correct and clarified that. He wasn't saying that JT was Mike Wilson because Wills, he can get a whole lot of stuff twisted. Miss Dina gets stuff better than this guy. Wow. Okay. What do we have? 11, sure. 11 rings right now? Wow. <laughs> 11 rings right now. Wow. Well, huh. you know, you know when, I was, when I was, you know, when I was hearing Eric talk, right? You know, I was listening to a defensive back talk, so I wasn't quite sure what was going on. <laughs> right, they talk smack. They talk smack. That's what they do, right? <laughs> there you go. You got it. <laughs> oh my God, this is this is really gonna be fun. Oh, it's gonna be a blast. It is going to be a blast. <laughs> so, hey, all right. Hey, well, the funny thing I was listening to that Eric that Eric was talking about about the. The competition, how it heats up, and that it does, you know. And I'll say this: I was in a, I was a third round pick, right? I was a high pick. Yeah. I was third round, seventy six overall. But when I got there, it was like I was walking into a foreign, like I was going into a foreign country. I didn't know what was going on, you know. Here, here, a few years back, I'm looking at these same guys that I'm now walking in here. Two, I'm watching them play in the Super Bowl. I'm in college, so you know, me? with me walking in, me walking in, watching them, you know, it, it's like almost, man, I'm really here with some guys that, you know, that have won Super Bowls. Things that you think about when you're growing up, you know, playing in the street, you know, and here you are. Now, just like Gary said, when your shot comes around. You got to take care of your shot because you might not see that shot again. You're right. You're right. Hey, I want to comment so on all right. uh, Eric's comment about. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say right, I, no, I'm I listening get. to Eric talk, and this is Mike Wilson, and I was listening to Eric's comment related to uh, being a, a drafted or a free agent. Well, I came to San Francisco as a free agent. I was drafted by the Cowboys, was cut, came on board, so. Uh, you know, I look at it, I see it from a different perspective as a free agent than mm-hmm. as a drafted guy because I'd be the first to tell you that, you know, my mentality was I don't care who it was, I was going to compete, and if I got an opportunity, uh, I was going to make the most of it. And that's really what he said. But, you know, I was the guy when I was a cowboy, and, not the, you know, I am not a big cowboy fan, but I was the guy that they had to pull out the <laughs> hoe every time I was as a rookie. I mean, they were literally, you know, Drew Pearson and, Tony Hill and Butch Johnson. So, you know, there's a mentality you got to have as a, as a, you know, free agent, as a football player that, 
you know what, I'm not going to be denied and I'm going to go get it because if you sit back and be patient, you know, that, that is not the way to make an NFL team. Well, you know, as we talk to uh, some of the uh, some of the younger wide receivers coming in this year, and Mike, when you first came in, and this was actually my first question to you, was, you know, what were you expected that first year when you came in, and what did the coaches and Bill Wallace expect from you when you stepped on the field? I mean, how how long? You know, I should I, say how. What, what, what was your expectation? Okay, well, I, I think we got to just, you know, uh, maybe set the picture. I, I flew in on a round-trip ticket, a one-day ticket to try out for the Niners. I just got cut by the Cowboys, and I myself knew that, that was a, this was my opportunity to come in and prove myself. And they held back a few guys, and we did one-on-one uh, after practice was over. And I didn't plan on going back home. I, I worked out, had, I thought I had a great workout and sat in the locker room for about five hours waiting for them to make a decision, and they cut uh, Spider Gaines and, and Matt Booza, and I ended up making that, making the team. And, uh, and so for me, uh, I didn't look backwards. I was, I was here, and I wanted to make the best of my opportunity. Uh, and I still remember one, one, one veteran, Drew Pearson, told me, hey, Mike, you should have made our team, mm-hmm. but you, you can play 10 years in this league. And so – I always had the the mindset, uh, you know, to come in, and, and I think this really, you know, speaks for the 49ers as a team in the 80s. You know, I mean, next man up. Uh, you know, I could have went and played for a lot of teams, but that's not the point. It was uh, when you get your opportunity, just like JT uh, in his great career, hey, you make plays, and you got to do what you got to do and understand your role. So, for me, uh, Bill Walsh really uh, told me that I was, you know that, uh, you know, I knew Freddie Solomon and Dwight were established and I was backing them up and, uh, but we were a three receiver set. And so I got my opportunity. And when I had my chance, you got to make the best of it. Man. I, 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 what, I, what, you what about what, you? I, Go ahead. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, I, what was when I first came, I'll never forget this. I came, I came to the Niners and, uh, I remember going out for my first couple of practices and Keena came, Keena Turner came to me in the locker room after one practice. And he said, he said, listen, man, he said, they like you. He said, but Bill doesn't think that you really want to be here. You know? And I said, I said, well, what gives him that, you know, what gives him that impression? He said, it just seems like you're far off. You know, it's like, like you got that look in your eye, like, I want to go home type of look. And I remember saying to uh, Kena said, uh, I, I was at the time we were, I was just walking in past Bill and he was doing the interview with the reporters. And I remember him saying, and I laughed about it. I mean, I laugh about it now, but at the time it was like, huh? He said that I was like a project. <laughs> a project? A project. Huh. A project. Yeah. He said, I was like a project. And I thought to myself, I said, okay, I, I get that, you know, because I was, I, I mean, I'm coming into, like I said, I'm coming into a place where I sat there and watched guys in the Super Bowl. I'm still in college, you know. And at the time, mm-hmm. uh, Dwight Hicks, he was from my high school. We came from the same high school, but he was he was years in front of me. I played with a, a few of his younger brothers. And it was like, I'm sitting there watching these guys, watching these guys. Now, here I am, and 
the head coach of the team says I'm a project, right? So I said to myself, I said, okay. So I remember the day that he said they were having um, punt return tryouts. And I, and I walked over to Bill and I said, hey, I'd like to try out, you know, be a punt returner. And he took these are the exact words he told me. I'll never forget them. He said, no, that's something you wouldn't be good at because you take too long of a stride. And I remember saying to him, I wow. said, uh, all I'm asking, I, I, remember, I remember saying this to him. I said, all I'm asking for is a chance. What do you got to lose? And I'll never forget, it was a Hall of Fame game. The first two punts, he let um, punt return. Dana McLemore returned the punts. The third one came around, and he tells me to go in. I go in, catch the punt. I get about 15 yards on the first punt return. Go back on the second punt return. Catch it, break clear of everybody, get snatched by the punter. So you know I had to live with that for a little while. So I come back the next, come back the next part return, catch the ball, and in my mind when I caught that ball, I said if I get through this whole punter, it's gonna be me and you, and you ain't gonna get me this go round. I get through the hole, me and the punter, right to the sideline, out running, score a touchdown. And I remember walking back past Bill standing on the sideline, and I said to him, I said, you know what, Bill? I said you're right. I wouldn't be good at this. I take too long of a stride. And I just laughed, and he laughed about it. But, JT, you always had that attitude that every time, and see, that you would progress and do something, you always would walk by Bill and look at Bill in a way, I told you so. Yeah, yeah, because Bill would always say something in a way to certain guys that was his challenging motivation to get guys going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I, he did he did certain guys like that. And then the other thing that was really really uh uh a way we made and certain guys had to play special teams, and that was their way of getting on the squad by being a special team guy. Okay, you know that's how that's how guys earn their paycheck. You know, some guys play special teams, some guys played every snap. You know, some guys, you know, and that's what Mike was really good at. Uh, you know, we had the, we had the uh, philosophy. We felt we filled in where where we were needed and where we were placed. To have a paycheck. I mean, that's something. I mean, I mean, JT, what what would you what would you give as advice to like uh, take someone like a Richie James on, on making the team? You know, as a double double threat like you were. I mean, you know, obviously my, my first my my first my first ahead. advice to him will. My first advice to him would would be this: Don't believe nothing you read in the paper. Don't believe nothing you read in that newspaper. It's like I learned my my rookie year, and that is that reporter has to put a column out every day. So he's got to he has to say something every day, whether it's favorable to you or not favorable to you. He's got to put out that his his column every day. So my advice is 
stay away from the newspaper. You can only go out there and perform on that field, and your performance will allow you to either be there or not be there. Good and, and can I That's comment on that? I, I would agree. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with that, JT. But, uh, you know, I, w- I would say also, uh, you know, you, you can't necessarily live and, and, and allow a reporter to dictate your your chance of making or not making. I think, That's uh, right. you know, I, I, pl- I played 10 years with the 49ers, and every year I was supposed to get, get you know, get replaced by somebody. And if I let if I really thought about that or let that affect me, it might affect my performance, but uh, that was my motivation. I knew where I belonged and I knew, I knew the system and I was, you know, I felt like I was a smart player. So uh, athletically, you know, I, I could compete, but I, I knew what I would have to do. And, and Bill Walsh really, his system was about execution. Uh, you know, JT, Jerry, Dwight, Freddie, you know, the, the men I played with uh, all, mm-hmm understood and learned the system and were able to, to execute. And if you didn't execute, you were gone. I mean, that's the one thing on offense that, that was consistent. A lot of good players came, but yeah. if they didn't know what they were doing and couldn't go out and do it on a regular, consistent basis, uh, Bill had no time for you and no patience for you. Yeah. Well, so let me ask ahead. you this, Mike. I mean, uh, someone that obviously it's happened a lot over social media now where players are – you know, during interviews are attacking, obviously, either in social media or, you know, after after practice, and they're going after these reporters. Um, if you guys had social media back then, <laughs> how do you think you oh, guys would handle this? Hey, 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 Mike, don't answer that yet. Mike. So I'm going to throw this question. <laughs> Mike, don't That's a loaded a question. Okay, Mike. I won't answer. <laughs> okay, so, Mike, yep. that – Question: The second question is, with you being an experienced ex-coach, what would you tell these guys in reference to preparation and you know every preparation and trying to make the club? Well, you know, and, and my and I've coached with five NFL teams, and so I've coached some some good players, and I, my advice to all of them was, you know, it's not what you say, but it's more about let your performance speak for yourself. And so I don't want to hear all the back and forth or my or an explanation for everything. Honestly, I mean, you know, JT said it correctly. You know, he, he went out, and eventually his performance spoke for himself. It's not about the dialogue. And, and I've experienced some, some players who, who actually, you know, there's a lot of them in the league right now that, that I think spend too much time talking and are very talented, and let your performance speak for yourself. I mean, and that was, you know, and, and we're talking about we got two receivers on here, and, and JT noticed, and JT wasn't here yet. But I was on the squad when when Jerry came in, and Jerry's uh, one of his first touchdowns, he, he did a dance in end zone. And uh, Bill Walsh, we had a meeting that Monday, had the whole team in there, and he, whoa, okay, Bill's showing the film. So he puts the film on. And as Jerry catching his, I won't say it was his first first touchdown, but it was his first touchdown where he did the dance. And he, he we watched it, and then he cut the projector off and said, hey, do you want to continue to catch the touchdowns? And he said, uh, yeah. And he said, well, I, I want to see this again. And it's real subtle, and I don't think that ever hit, that was not a media thing, but the point was, let your performance speak for yourself. I mean, of all people, I mean, yeah. JT's catch the ball and flip it to the, to the ref after a touchdown. 
and so, I mean, that was something that was, you know, consistent with this team. And I don't necessarily see that that's the change. That the game has changed. So everybody has to point a first down on yeah, any cool. catch. And so that's uh, a part of it. But I would say to any young man who's in there, you got to be aggressive and, and, and try to get your reps. And when your opportunity comes, you got to take advantage of it. You know, there's no, you know, dropping the ball and thinking they're going to forgive me. No, you got to catch the ball and make a play. And, and hey, that's how you make it. Yeah. Okay, Mike and JT, that, that's yeah. another point that that uh, come to light in a defensive uh, game of scheme things right now. Okay, the game has changed so much that when oh, you yeah. guys we played the the touching, the uh, aggressiveness, and the hitting that the game has tr- has changed so much. How? How the adjustment compared to when you guys were changed at the receivers? You know, you can't you can't put a handy wipe on these guys now. I mean, it, it, to me, to me, go first, JT, to, and to I'll respond. Go ahead. To, to me, it's like this. Um, it's like you said, the game has changed so much. Um, I always looked at it this way: football is a violent sport. We all know that. You know, that's just part of the game. I also understand and understand that nobody forced me to play. It's something I wanted to do. I like playing it. It's a game. You know, most people that play games have fun playing games. Well, it's to to that point now, like I said, I'm a wide receiver. If I was a defensive back, in my mind, now with the rules the way that they are, I'd be afraid to attack an offensive player simply for the mere fact I don't know how to tackle him no more. I don't know how to hit him. I don't know how to play from the old way to this new way. You know, um, when we played, it was it was lights out pretty much. You know, there was there wasn't all that. You can't touch him after five yards down the field. Hell, you could beat me up all the way down the field. You know, right. it was about me. It was about me being able to get off of that defensive back. You know, now it now it's to the point where you come off the line of scrimmage. You know, if you lag. For five yards, once you get past that five yards, he's not supposed to touch you. It's almost like you got free range. We didn't have that. You had to keep, you know, you had to fight. You had to fight. And honestly, to me, you should bring that back. Because now a lot of the receivers, it's like you touch me and you're looking for a flag. You know what I mean? It's like, honestly, the game to me now is being left up to the officials. Whether they make the call. Here's an example: the uh, the uh, NFC Championship game with the Rams and uh, New Orleans last year. Okay, everybody's everybody's up in a up in a uproar about uh, there was no pass interference call. There was no pass interference yeah. call. Okay, okay, I grant you that. But let's step back a second. The play never happened. If the if, if the coach would have did what he should have did, and that was you got first in, you got first and uh, first down in the red zone, you're under two minutes. They got two timeouts. You got the ball first down. You run the first two plays. Make them use the timeouts. The clock is moving. The clock is moving. So by the time you would have kicked back off to the Rams, you could have said, okay, so there's like 40-some seconds left in the game. They got to drive the left of the field to score. 
But you gave him that opportunity when you threw that first pass, stopped the clock. Now, that pass interference pass that you wanted called down there in the end zone, it never happened. Game's over. Right. See, you left that. You left you. So now you're saying the official blew the game for me. I'll give you this. That call was blown, but also the play never happened if, if things would have went the way they should have. But they didn't. I, amen to that. You're right. Wow. You're right, though. You're right. Absolutely. Mama did. And, 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 okay, Mike. Mm-hmm. You, Mama did. Question, Serena? Huh. Oh. Uh, is Eric talking to us or somebody else? But anyway, uh, you oh, know, he, honestly, I, I think uh, as you talk about the game has changed and, and how it's evolved, it started right here in San Francisco with, uh, you know, we were probably the first team when I was playing in the 80s that, you know, coming from the Cowboys where you, you know, it was two a days and you had to keep your helmet on one water break to come here. And then all of a sudden, you know, we started, you know, really practicing hard once and the other one was a walkthrough or a special team practice. And and once we got into week two or three, we took the pads off. So, you know, a lot of what's going on today allowed us to, in my opinion, uh, to be fresh and able to perform on Sunday. And that, at the end of the day, was what it was all about. I mean, if a guy didn't practice all week, he showed up on Sunday. Now, that, that would piss off some guys, but that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. And and so it was really a performance business where, hey, man, as long as, you know, you come and do your thing and, and realize that 99.9% of every athlete who's playing football during the season is injured. He's playing with some type of nick or bruise or some injury. So that's 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 a given. You know, and for those who couldn't play like that, didn't last very long in, in the league. So uh, I think a little bit of that has changed a little bit, even from my experience <laughs> in coaching receivers. You know, guys will, you know, hell, they'll, they'll tap out in a heartbeat. But, uh, you know, I do think that, you know, as a coach, uh, you know, you need to practice. You need to be able to practice. And I've always encouraged athletes to practice full speed because that's how you play the game. You can't walk around in shorts and then think you're going to go full speed on game day because that's, that's where you don't execute when it's crucial time of the game. You know, well, you, know something this, that, you know something that, you know, no, you know something that I, that I found out um, that is so much different now than it was when I was playing. And that is we were more accustomed to knowing the small details about everything. You know what I mean? We 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 knew. In other words, we you studied, you studied, you looked at film, you looked at film. You would know that little subtle difference that you would notice in a defensive back or even a receiver. Like if Eric's playing defensive back, you would know that notice that little subtle difference about a receiver. You know, today it's not like guys don't really. In my opinion, I've seen seen it several times. Guys forget routes quick. They forget their responsibilities quick. And see, when we were coming, it was more, I prefer you not to run. I wanted to know that you know where you're supposed to be, opposed to you running 100 miles an hour down the field, but you're running with blinders on. Mm-hmm. See, that was the difference right, with, so us. We- with us. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. All right, so um, obviously, uh, you know, the book 87 comes out tomorrow, guys. 
you know, I wanted for you guys to have an open platform. Um, if you guys had any funny, uh, obviously, 87 stories you would like to share with us. Uh, my funny you know, story. I, my funny, go ahead, JT. You I go got first. one. My, my, funny, my funny story was like this. I remember when I came, you know, I'm back. I'm behind Jerry, Mike, uh, Dwight. And there was also another receiver there at the time. They used to call him Money. Carl Monroe was there when I <laughs> when I first came. They they were the receivers, you know. And it was like yeah. I come in, you know, and I'm backing up and I'm standing there and I'm watching. Now, mind you, when I was in college, I remember Dwight coming out of Clemson, you know. And I I remember when he came out of Clemson, and in my mind I was looking at him, and when I got there. I looked at Dwight and I was like, "Damn, he's bigger than I thought he was." You know, because when I first when I first saw Dwight uh, from Clemson, I was like, "Damn, he's a small receiver. How in the hell did he take him?" You know. But once I got there, Dwight was bigger than what he seemed to me. And not only that, he told me when I never forget. He said to me, "He goes, my rookie year, I go out with him." Now, mind you, my rookie year, we had been up in Rockland almost six weeks prior to the veterans coming. That was training camp for us. It's a lot different now. But we were up there for almost six weeks prior to the veterans coming in. So when the veterans first came in, it was our first night out. Now, I've been here for six weeks. I'm, I'm in Rockland. Don't know, really know nobody other than people that I got drafted with. I know a couple of those guys. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking in my mind, Man, this is this is really crazy. This is, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm somewhere that I had never been. And Dwight, Dwight comes over to me and he goes, he goes, hey, uh, rookie, look a little bit lost. I said, uh, I said, no, I'm not lost, man. I said it's just uh, it's something that I didn't expect. And he goes, something you didn't expect? But what's that? I said, man, I said I've been here almost six weeks. I haven't had a break or anything. And he goes. You know what? I'm gonna go to Bill tonight, and I'm gonna get us a break, so you can go out and have fun tonight. Well, I didn't know at the time when the veterans came in that that night we just having a meeting, and then that's our first night out. But he made it seem like to me like he went to Bill and he got it done just because I looked like I was far off, like I wasn't there, like I wanted to go home type of deal. And I told him after I found out that it was automatic that we were having that day off, you know, that the veterans came in. I laughed about it. I said to him, I said, oh, yeah, I got to have a drink with you tonight. And Mike, <laughs> Mike and here's the, here's the funny thing, though. Here's the funny part. Me and Mike was roommates. Me and, me, and Mike, me and Mike wound up being roommates, right? And I'll never forget. I go out with them, I go out with Dwight and them that night, and I come back. Now, mind you, when I came out of high school, I worked at a liquor warehouse. I was working at a liquor warehouse, federal uh, <laughs> Federal Wine and Liquor in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. I'm making almost 800 bucks a week after taxes in 1980. Now, you know, so I'm like, I'm around liquor. I, I didn't drink before. Man, I go out with these guys. I come back in. First of all, I didn't get my ride back that night. I wound up catching a ride back that night. I get back to the camp, and we go in the, <laughs> we go in the meeting the next morning, <laughs> and I'm sitting next to Mike, and Mike goes, whew. Boy, you smell just like a distillery, man. What you been drinking all night? 
And I just had, I laughed about that so hard because it was like Dwight went into Bill like he was going to make this special, special deal for me. Hey, Coach, such and such is kind of what's the name. Let's have the night off. When in actuality, we had the night off anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That is great. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm going to share. Okay. Mine is not funny okay. about Dwight. It was just interesting that, you know, I shared our, our lockers were next to each other for eight years. And, you know, I was always uh, amazed that he would sit there and rock during training camp. And this is, you know, that time of year where, you know, cuts are being made and you know it's not secured. But he would sit there and rock in his locker as if in as if he might have a chance of getting cut. And I would always say, Dwight, you're starting. You know what I mean? I should be the one worried about it. But he would literally uh, always had a, had a, had a, this disbelief that he was actually in the National Football League and he was starting. And so he felt like he had to go out and prove his, his worth every, every day. And, and that was the one thing. Once he, got, once he had the knee injury, things you know, got a little bit different. But, hey, Dwight came out and worked and, and never felt comfortable being – Dwight, really, number 87, who everybody, you know, knew about and, and watched him play, he always felt like almost to the point where he wasn't sure he should be here, and he had to prove it every day. And then that's kind of, kind of, in a nutshell, demonstrates the work ethic that he had and really that was pervasive around the whole team. I mean, everybody, you know, practiced hard and, 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 and build system, and I was, you know, fortunate to play my whole career with him and in the last year with George – but, I mean, it was about the details, as JT just mentioned, understanding what your responsibility was. And, and Dwight was very uh, efficient, and, and uh, Joe was very efficient, and that was really uh, the thing that, that made him unique because after, you know, being in the Pro Bowl, he's still sitting there rocking like he's going to get cut, and I'm like, Dwight, you know. So, uh, you know, and, and, and he is missed. I mean, you know, Dwight was always, uh, you know, felt like he, he wasn't sure if he belonged, and, you know, after, you know, you won, he, he should have felt he did, but that was his way to – and everybody needs their ads to compete and have their reason to want to play. And his mentality was, hey, man, you know, I'm not – I shouldn't even be here, so I'm just going to do what I need to do. And, and he, he had greater work ethic, and I thought we all did. And, and, and uh, you know, that, that was a, a good sight to see with him and Freddie that taught me how to, to play. And, and Jerry and, and then JT came along. And so that 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 torch was passed on, and you know where 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 it's at now. I will see tomorrow when I watch him practice. But I know for a fact that uh, you know it was all about the details and execution that that made us successful in in, in the eighties. Well, okay. And, last... and what and Brian, the key to, the key to it, you know, from the secondary standpoint, those guys with that core group of guys. Dwight, Wills, JT got it for Freddie. You had you had Schumann, Schumann. Schumann was there on his way out. But those guys, every pass, every play, they came to work. It wasn't. It wasn't when your. It's one thing when your play was called. You came to work, and that's what Dwight, Freddie. Will JT Jerry had the carryover at practice training camp every day 
everybody came to work, and that's the reason why we end up being successful. And, and like Mike and JT pressed upon it, great teams starts from the top of the organization. Those teams, preparation, detail, detail, the little minute things that we remember on Friday, that was the most detailed, minute practice, especially Saturday when we were traveling. It was the plays that, that guys we we didn't understand. We hated to re, we hated to repeat plays because we wanted to go and let's go and get on the plane and let's go. Bill and George made us re, they made us repeat plays, and that carried over on Sunday. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, some as a fan, I've always wanted to know this: How big was there? The you go as a fan. Hey guys, he's a fan. As now. a fan, As he's a fanatic. Yo, hold on, scratch, <laughs> scratch our question for a second. Who got who got Eric the best? I know one of you guys got him and say we got. You. I want to know that oh, no. story. No, let me let me. I want to know you. that story. I'm gonna I'm I'm tell you. I'm gonna tell you a story that he did to me. My I'm gonna tell you a story he did to me. My rookie year. I'll never forget my rookie year in Rockland. I'm coming across in motion, and Eric's running with me man to man. And he's talking trash to me the whole time. I'm going across the field. Now, mind you, this is my first year. I'm a rookie. I'm not really expecting him to be aggressive like he was. But I come across the field and go to turn up. No sooner I go to turn up, he comes running across the line and wham! And then he goes, so how's that feel, rookie? I kind of I kind of looked I kind of looked at him in my mind thinking oh so this is how this goes huh y'all just come across the line you don't wait for us oh okay well and that well that right there sort of like set the tone for me well I'll get a lot of call-ins after I make this remark Brian and, okay and I'll I'll get a we'll get a I'll get a harass on this comment I'm getting ready to make okay. To me, these two guys, Jerry got a lot of balls thrown to him. But these two guys, as you see, plays break. Jerry makes a big catch. These two guys did all the dirty work. And that's one thing that, that, that JT and Wills did. When Jerry broke the big plays and they extended the plays for big run, these guys came up with tremendous blocking and to, to 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 KO defensive backs to spring the big runs and the big plays. Was that demanded well, you know, a loss from you for you guys though? Oh yeah. If you were going to be a receiver with him, you had to also be a blocker. You weren't just a receiver. You weren't always going to catch a pass. You had you you would have to block. That was a given. You didn't if you didn't block, I didn't think you'd play. That was just a given. Well, you know, I always had it, and and the mentality was. I mean, I think we talked about it as as a receiver. You know, we wanted those running backs to block for us, so Joe could throw the ball. So when they have the ball, you got to return the favor. 
And that's yep. maybe a major difference than a lot of other NFL teams where, you know, you could just, as a coach, you know, I can sit there and watch a, a receiver stance, and I know if it's pass or run, because if it's a run play, a lot of guys in the league now will just all of a sudden relax, knees aren't bent. Yep. You can just tell that they're not, you know, they're not trying to really go out there and, and, and give a block that will, you know, bust Roger Craig for the touchdown. So, uh, but it, it was something that was something that we did to separate our, our team from other NFL teams. And not that some of those guys didn't block, but hey, we knew that every play counted and you got to go out and, 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 you know, play like it's your last play. And I can remember watching Roger and even Steve Young toward the end of my career, you know, out there running and, and we're all out there blocking for him because you never knew where Steve was going. So it was, uh, it was just a given. And and I remember, and, and to share a story, I mean, JT was, was fearless. And so we'd have a play called 18 or 19W at the end of the game. And uh, JT would go in there, and, and you had to block the W backer at 19W, or if he disappeared, then you'd go get the mic. And I'll tell you, JT probably knocked out more linebackers. And out of probably, you know, ten times, out of three times he knocked them out. He would come in and just cold cock them. And, and uh, you know, I was more of a just I want to get the block and make sure Roger broke it. But JT, that was his moment to to take a guy out. He turned he turned into Eric Wright and wanted to, to, to make somebody lead the game. And so I still remember that, JT. You did a hell of a job on that 18-19W, brother. Well, well the, the, the other thing is on Friday night, Saturday night, we would always have the special blocks and the special plays that guys, you know, would oh, be yeah. joking and laughing and cheering guys on for the KOs and the, the cleaters and all that stuff. Yep. You know, it, what was what was so funny, a lot, of, a lot of people didn't know, is all through midget league, through high school, that whole deal, I was a defensive back. I was a free safety. So I had that I had that hit mentality coming in, you know, because I had been on the other side of the ball. So when I got my shot at that linebacker, oh, I'm going to do my best to try to take him out because I know if I get a slant pattern where he could take me out, He's going to do it. So I'm going to try yeah. to turn the favor early. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you did, JT. I will tell you, you did. Yeah, I tried. I, hey, it, was either, it was either me or him. And like I used yeah. to always say, my, fam, my family's hungry. <laughs> family's hungry. You got to feed them. Yeah. Gotta feed them. That's exactly right. Amen. Amen to that. Well, JT and Mike, thank you so much for joining us. This was an honor to have you guys come on. Uh, we would love to do it again. We would love to do it again. Hey, before these guys get off, and plus, we'd like to say our prayers and best wishes to uh, number 21. Grand family. The yeah. Oakland Raiders, Cliff Branch. Oh, yeah. He's Cliff no longer with us and, uh all our prayers and uh, wishes go out to his family. Oh, without a Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good. Yeah, and, and I just want to say, you know, I, I coached with the Raiders in my coaching career, and I tell you what, Cliff Branch mm-hmm. was was a great one and, and was a, a legend in the Raider in the Raider organization. And uh, you know, he uh, he will definitely be missing. I think me and JT did some. 
events with him. Eric was also there yeah. at uh, Super Bowl 50 here yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. he was he was full of energy and, and really was a, a genuinely nice guy who uh, who enjoyed life. And so uh, he will definitely be missed. For sure. Definitely. Amen to that. Amen to that. And so, hey, before we get off, I need JT or Eric to give me a ride to the to the stadium tomorrow. So, I'm at the I'm at the hotel. Who's who's available? Give me a ride. <laughs> you at the Marriott? Yeah, I'm over at the Marriott, man. So somebody gonna come get me. Oh, are you at the Marriott right now? No, I'm I'm still in Fresno. I'm gonna be leaving out of here probably in about another hour. Okay. All right. I know this is not we. It's not we on live radio right now. I call one of you guys after we get off. <laughs> cool. All right. Not a problem. Hey, 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 Will. <laughs> Since Brian's yeah. a Chicago brand, a Chicago Bear fan, he can come pick you up. That's it. I'm whooping your oh, yeah. ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So we're okay. done. <laughs> you are done. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. It was my pleasure being on, and, and we'll we'll see everybody tomorrow. Right, Thank thanks, you guys. so much, Mike. Thanks, Mike. You thanks, JT, for joining us. All right. All right. You guys you take it. it easy. All right. All bye right. bye. You had to do it, Eric, didn't you? You had to do it. Hey, hey well, come on. I can't resist. What do you say? <laughs> Where's Mama D at? Mama D is about to pop in right now. I'm here. And and uh and yeah, we um we will now turn it over to Dina and we have our next guest. Okay, so we just touched on Cliff a little bit. Um, three-time Super Bowl champion, four-time Pro Bowler, three-time first uh, team All-Pro NFL receiving yard leader in 1994, two times NFL receiving touchdown leader in 1974 and 1976 with 501 receptions, 8,685 receiving yards, and 67 touchdowns. And Cliff had an amazing career was an amazing guy. He was not only a football player to me, he was a friend. Um, I knew him well. Um, spent time with him a lot of times with our kids. Um, our condolences go out to him and his family. Um, he won't be forgotten, that's for sure. Uh, he was a big part of the Raiders Nation. Um, our condolences go out to everybody, even Raider Nation. It doesn't matter what our feelings are with the Raiders. This is a really hard time right now. For everybody, um, he was hoping to make the 2019 uh, Hall of Fame. Um, there were some things I heard today that he his hopes were up so high to get this year. Um, and his one thing he had been saying was um, he was told that keep patience. He would one day be there. He just needed to stay alive and reap it when he got there. And his comment was, I'm going to stay alive. Once I get that gold jacket, I don't care if I die the next day. Um, He passed away at 71 on the night of the Hall of Fame as they were inducting the inductees of the 2019, um, two days after his birthday. Um, I want to welcome Swervin Mervin Fernandez, who is a good friend of his um, and did a lot of charity work and stuff with them. I want to congratulate um, Mervin also. He's being inducted into the Canadian Hall of Fame, um, who played wide receiver with the Raiders from 87 to 92. He didn't play with 
Cliff Branch, but they became really good friends yeah. and did a lot of things together. Um, it's great to have you join us tonight. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, Cliff will be sorely missed by everyone. He will be a fixture with the Raiders for as long as the Raiders are around, I'm sure. Him and uh, actually Mark, him and Mark Davis were best friends. So, you know, Cliff has got a place at the Raiders no matter what happens, and he will have a place in all the Raiders fans and, and players' hearts forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did you two meet? Because you didn't play together as Raiders. You guys were at different, uh, different times with the Raiders. Yeah, no. Uh, I guess the, the saying is true, once a Raider, always a Raider. And when I got to the Raiders, he was – he was he was always around, so I I was always I was just a, a L.A. Raider, so I only played in L.A. But he would be at the games, and you know, like I said, him and Mark Davis were best friends, and obviously Al was still alive back then, so him and Mark used to actually be roommates when um, when uh, Cliff was playing. So we would do different promotional stuff, and uh, you know, just hang out and got to know him over the years, and yeah, it's pretty unfortunate that he's gone. With both of you being wide receivers, did he ever give you any pointers or any things that you could work on or should work on? I don't think it was that kind of situation. I think that, you know, once we got around each other and uh, uh, got to hang out a little bit, we just had a little bit of fun. But he wasn't the guy that would, you know, be in the locker room trying to coach anybody up then or now. You know, he's always at training camps, actually. It was kind of kind of weird because the Raiders do a uh, alumni weekend in Napa every year at the start of training camp, and I don't think he's ever missed one. And to not see him there, we were all wondering where he was at, but he was in Arizona doing a signing. I guess it was uh, something that he had had planned or on his calendar and couldn't miss it. But it was strange just not to see him at the uh, reunion. And uh, a couple days later, we had found out that he had passed so yeah strange still okay so i have to know your nickname is Swervin mervin where did that come from wow so i've had that nickname ever since high school back in the 70s and my quarterback gave me that nickname the guy by the name of jack overstreet back at andrew hill high school at um nickname came about I guess well, the story I hear is from where well, I used to swerve down the field and I don't know where it came from but he uh, he nicknamed me Swerving Mervin it's still here to the day that's awesome um, and then you were um, actually picked what one of the six Raiders to gain a thousand yards in a season there's only been six of you guys I guess so Sixth grader, wow! I'm one of them, yeah. So I guess How that's about, a big that's deal. Not, yeah, it's got to be a big deal. Uh, well, when I uh, when I played there, the most balls I ever got was 57. So yeah, I mean, there's other guys that's had thousand yards since then, but it was right. uh, really throw the ball that much. It was it was dramatic because they always threw it deep. So you know, it was a more it was a different game. It wasn't the short game underneath the Raiders were the were the mad bombers of the league and uh yeah so to get a thousand yards you had to pile up some some yards pretty quick out there 
Hey, hey well, yeah. Merv, Eric, thanks for coming on the show, man. What's up, I really Eric? Appreciate it. And, uh, no problem, hey, boss. I, hey, I did a uh, a research check on you, Merv. I didn't know you you went to De Anza College and then went to San Jose State. And then you went yeah. to BC Lions, huh? Yes. So I went to uh, out of high school. I didn't have the grad. So long story short, I was supposed to go to USC. Didn't have the grades to go to USC, so I went to De Anza. We wound up becoming the national champs that year in 79 and uh, wound up going to Utah University instead of USC, and they were highly upset, but it is what it is. And then I left Utah University after the spring game because I couldn't, uh, wasn't ready for Utah, and uh, so I came back to uh, San Jose and uh, had the red shirt one year and then played in 81. Uh, we won our division. Coach? We went undefeated. Uh, Jack Elway. Oh, okay. Elway. So we had Elway. We had uh, Dennis Erickson as our offensive coordinator. Greg, Greg McMacken as a defensive coordinator. So we, you know, we had a good squad. We had Gerald Wilhite who played for Denver, Mark Nichols, and uh, Stacy Bailey. You know those guys. And, you know, we had some, we had some players. And, uh, yeah, went to uh, Canada after one year of uh, college and start getting some checks, man. Start playing some, some professional ball and the uh, rest is history. Now I'm going back there on uh, this Thursday and I will be inducted into the Hall of Fame on uh, Friday. Well, 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 Mark, good stuff. Congratulations for being, being inducted. I appreciate it, Eric. C-A-P-F-L Hall of Fame. Now, Merv. This is actually the Canadian Hall of Fame. They don't have a CFL Hall of Fame. They call it the Canadian Hall of Fame because they they put other people in besides football players in their, their Hall of Fame. That's what, uh, yeah. that's what I got. Yeah. But it's still their Hall of Fame. Well, hey, Merv, Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame. Congratulations, my that's brother. That's it. So, Perk, Appreciate it, man. Is it, how is it to be in that league up there with the with the with the long wide field, um, you know, for a wide receiver, it's it's obviously a dream come true. I mean, the end zones are twenty five yards deep, the field's wider, the field is longer, and they only have three downs, so you're pretty much throwing the ball every time you get you know you get the you're on offense. And uh, I had a gunslinging quarterback by the name of Roy DeWalt, and we just kind of lit it up for about five years. And you know the uh, the Raiders are playing the preseason game in Winnipeg this year. Oh, really? Did you know that? Yeah, they got a preseason game in Winnipeg, Canada this year, and uh, I think it I think it's the twenty second that they're playing of August, and uh, I'll be down there for that. Like I said, I'm going down there this week for the Hall of Fame, and uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of exciting. I think the people up there. are ready to see some NFL on their field. I don't know what they're going to do with the field. You know, obviously they got to shrink it down and uh, create some different lines, but I'm sure they got to figure it out. But the game is going to happen. Yeah. They'll be playing hey, in hey, – uh, I think we're playing Green share Bay. With us, share with us uh, what Merv, Mervin Fernandez, Swerving Mervin, is doing today. Well, um, Right now I'm sitting in my backyard just chilling. (laughs) 
I just uh, <laughs> retired from working about three months ago. Uh, I was working for a uh, uh, a grocery store. I was running their produce department. It was my perfect retired uh, uh, retired jobs, probably five minutes down the street from me. And then uh, I did that for about eight years. And a year ago, I moved out here to Manteca. So I was commuting back in there for a year, and I was like, oh, man, I, this, this is killing me. i got to stop this. And so now I'm just retired and uh, doing promotional stuff. I still do a lot of stuff with the Raiders, and I'm doing a lot of stuff with this uh, Canadian game. So I'm going back after I do the CFL induction uh, and then go back there and do a media blitz with Mike Taylor their media guy, and then I'll come back here and then I'll go back again for the game. So they keep me pretty busy, and it's a blessing. You know, I'm still on their radar, so I guess that's good. And obviously they're moving to Vegas, so things will start popping off in Vegas. And, you know, we try to get our golf game going and, you know, all that stuff that we used to do. We can't run up and down the basketball court no more, so we got to do a, a, a non-contact sport like uh, golf. Yeah, well, that's pretty much it, man. I got six grandkids that I chase around, and been married for forty years, and we're just hanging out, doing them, getting old. Well, <laughs> hey, Murph, I know uh, you've been very blessed. You got a beautiful family, beautiful wife. You got the grandkids, and yeah, uh, you've been you've been successful to live the dream and and and, and keep the family intact. So. That's that's my hat. I think off. so. I hope so. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Just gonna try to keep doing it, you know. Keep everybody hey, in line do. and roll on to the next day. Yep. And yeah. and and D, he's yes. a big time fisherman. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I just went went fishing last Thursday. In a garage full of poles. I got my bass boat. Anybody want to go? Let's go. Uh, I'm packing my gear. Awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell America I that keep a fishing true. pole in my golf bag. Hey, Don't he put me around no water. I've never seen a guy. If he's on a <laughs> golf course and it's a pond of water, he's got his fishing pole right there ready to toss to the look. Out. So he's gonna fish. Just, he's gonna stop playing golf and fish first. Until they kick me that's off. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. There you go. Yeah. Fun stuff. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> so when did you start this show? When did, how long have you been doing this, Eric? Well, you know what? I had the pleasure of uh D called me a couple times last year, so uh, to call in as a guest. So uh, that's where it all started, you know. Yeah. I, you know, all of last year, driving on uh, this commute in the morning, but in the evenings where I got a two and a half hour commute, so. Merv, yeah. I totally understand the commute coming from Richmond yes, sir. back to down there by Coyote in uh, South San Jose. Oh, oh, that's that's a rough one. That is a oh, rough one because I used to go over to Altamont every morning at 2.30, get there in an hour and turn around and come back. 
at uh, twelve thirty and and do the same commute. So I was ahead of the commute, but you can't even unless you've done it, you don't know how many people are actually out there at two thirty in the morning coming out of this valley to right. go back into the Bay Area. It's crazy. Well, well, it's Murray. I can contest to that because in the morning you see when when the light comes up, you see all these guys and and, and you you made reference to that. You see all these guys in these orange jackets or orange shirts and in uh these construction colors. You cannot yeah. imagine how many laborers, carpenters, all the construction guys are commuting yeah. three and six hours total commute a day for work coming coming up here to San Jose. Right. So because uh, it's affordable out here. It's still doable. San Jose and Palo Alto and all that Sunnyvale is just out of control. You well, get nothing for your money. Well, it's just like up there with uh, with D. They're rebuilding Santa Rosa. They're rebuilding all the fire damage areas. So it's it's yeah. just like that going up there. So uh, yeah, they gave me the opportunity uh, to do it this year, and and I was always listening to Sirius Radio, and on right. Sirius Radio they had on the business radio the. Uh, Harvard Law School, uh, Warden Law School, they had a podcast and how these guys were creating a podcast show. Uh-huh. So D called me and Brian called me and said, hey, you want to do a podcast show? And I said, yeah. So, uh, uh, so Merv, if there's an opportunity, D, Brian, Raider Nation, Mervin Fernandez pod show. So, uh, yeah, well, my hat's off to you. You're doing a great job, and I uh, wish you much success. I appreciate it. So, Mama Thanks D. Thanks for, for joining. Thank you. We'll talk to you guys soon. Hey. All right. Thanks, All right, Merv. Merv. Take care. Hey, okay. Hey, All hey right. Merv, travel safe. Have a yeah. great weekend, man. Congratulations again. Appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. See you soon, All man. Right. Thanks. All right. That was Mervin Fernandez. So, uh, Mervin. So, yeah. Mervin, Mervin Fernandez. Swervin, Mervin Merv. Fernandez. There we go. Swervin, Merv. You should see him on the dance floor. <laughs> I thought that's what he was going to tell me. I thought he was going to oh, tell me that that's where he got his nickname. D, D you got to draw the, the, uh, the sweet juices out of guys and make them, make them tell you the stories, D. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Come I don't know, on, but D. the last hour, I'm telling you what, the last hour has probably been one of our best shows just with listening it, to JT and and Mike. Oh my god, what great awesome stories and um well no uh JT and Mike are really uh two really great great guys and uh you know those are relationships that you have for a lifetime with guys who you went to war with. And that's that you know what? That's the one ingredient of the mix that 
guys miss? The money, the fame, the material things they can leave, but the personal gratifying relationship that you carried in the locker room and you go to war with these guys Sunday and Sunday out. And then the one thing that you really can't replace that I personally, as an ex-player and an ex-warrior miss, when you go to training camp, you move away from your family for eight weeks, and you just see them on the weekends, that bond that that training camp builds, and that's what takes you through the course of the season when the peaks and valleys and that hill gets tough during the year. When you go through injuries, you go through the personal conflicts of life, those are the guys that lift you up and bring you through the to the battle so you can so you can breathe and share that that relationship that we've always built and have that's the thing you can't replace never exactly never you know i um and and speaking of that you know we we do want to mention um our hall of famers that just got inducted um, cornerback Champ Bailey, cornerback Ty Law, safety Ed Reed, and we'll throw in one offensive guy, tight end Tony Gonzalez. Um, congratulations. Oh, uh, there you go, being they, uh, they, they, uh, they're on the, uh, they're on the best team, and oh, the, the, that is an induction to the Hall of Fame. Um, and uh, you know we can't me. wait to go. We can't he wait to go me. see T.O. And he gonna make uh, me cry. Be tell the Hall of Famer offense. Bring, bring the tissue out, T. He's gonna make me. I know. Pee. He's gonna bring the tissue out. He's going back to the offense. Brian, no, here's here, Brian. here's the thing. Brian, <laughs> I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna say Brian, this now. Get up. Listen. I'm going to say this. We're going to have Mike Schumann on next week. Okay? Oh, and he's got some God. stories. Oh, oh, he got now, I know someone, guy. someone had to toast Eric. I want to hear about it. Someone had to get hey, him. The, the, the white boy, too, he couldn't run. He couldn't run. <laughs> hey, run. Run, Forrest, run. That's what she was. Run, Forrest, run. Okay? And when he got gray oh hair, he God. couldn't move at all. Hmm. Oh. Did Dwight ever get you? I know Dwight got you a couple times. Don't start, I know Brian. Did. Brian? No, he did. Brian? Brian? Yes, Dwight. Anybody who <laughs> played defensive back? You didn't get your butt handed to you. You never was a successful defensive back. Now, did I get beat like a blanket? No. No, you never did. I got my ass handed to me. I'll tell you this story, right? We're in training camp at Rockland one year. 
Freddie Solomon. We're, we're, we're in a red zone situation on the five and six-yard line. They were writing that they're, they're lined up a, a, a tight wing, a double wing formation. And double wing formation means tight end, close. Freddie Solomon was a wing receiver. And my responsibility was one responsibility concentrate on Freddie Solomon. Man to man. Freddie Solomon whipped me like a poster child with three touchdowns back to back. Okay? George Seifer started screaming and hollering at me. The first time I wanted to kick the daylights out of George Seifer's ass. <laughs> <laughs> They had to separate. They had to separate me from George Seifer because I was so freaking frustrated, and I and I couldn't cover Freddie Solomon. So I was getting my behind ripped, and then I was getting my my behind ripped on the field. So Bill Bill Rest told George, "Rest in peace." Bill, uh, Bill told him, "Get get Eric ass out of there, George. Get, give him a timeout." I'll never forget that. Woo. Woo. So that's the Freddie Solomon. All right, since we have the. Okay, Freddie Solomon, unfortunately, is not with us. If he was, he'd be on this podcast next week, by the way. But saying that, um, (laughs) tomorrow's a big day. Uh, 87 is released, and. Eric, did you want to maybe talk about your favorite uh, story about Mr. 87? Uh, you know what? I, I don't have maybe one, a f- desig- one designated story. I just, you know what? I just remember the fun-loving guy, uh, the Mr. Personality. Uh, All-American guy from South Carolina. He uh, when when he could pull he could pull the chicks. I know that Sean Weatherly, all the hot all the hot babes, uh, treated people how he wanted to be treated, and. he just was a wholesome, a wholesome uh, human being. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I. I mean, I've been around a lot, a lot of people, and there's still not one bad thing that someone has said about Dwight. I mean, and you know, it's just uh, ALS is something that they they need to find a cure yeah. for, and um, you know, we're going to be doing some. Fun, uh, Functions right. coming up later in the year that will uh, right. we definitely want to uh, hold something special um, to all the faithful's hearts and uh, yeah you know, and, and Brian uh, you know you, you know the hardest the two hard things that I've seen that God did before, right 
the hardest battle of his life was him fighting this disease mm-hmm. and how he how it took him down so fast and he had and he couldn't prevent it no nope. uh, the other thing that I think was one of the next hardest thing that was for him when he went into that general manager role and he had to decide on that Joe went to Kansas City. That was the one of the hardest decisions because those guys were those two guys were thicker than thieves and like brothers. And that really hurt him to make that decision about Joe going to Kansas City. Hmm. I, I, yeah, I couldn't, I mean, you know, a lot of people, I, and obviously Joe, you know, did a great thing, you know, brought Kansas City to a playoff game, but um, to leave San Francisco and to make a decision like that would, that I mean, and to know that that's your guy, um, not just your guy, but your friend, um, that must have been very, very tough. I mean, not a lot of people could have made that decision. Man, I, I, I don't, I, I couldn't have made it, you know. But, but you know, no. that's the, that's the critical part in a in a human being's life. You gotta make hey, when you're in that when you're in that position. You gotta make those decisions. You gotta make decisions on human beings' life that impact them for a lifetime. Okay, when you cutting players, mm-hmm. you trading players, or you gotta get rid of an employee that could impact that family, that individual future. You know, it's. it's it's one thing when, and I never knew this, and, and I saw it happen so many times in in my 10-year career with the 49ers, and it always happened to you as a player, okay? The one thing that Bill Walsh was, was really good at, and we hated his guts, right? When we as players have a successful run, but then all of a sudden Father Time's creeping up behind you. Bill was, 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 was so good at when you started slowing up, you started getting nicked a little bit. That's the reason why White Clarks, the Joe Montana's, the Mike Wilson, the John Taylors. They were the next man on deck. When you turned 30, Bill Walsh had another guy on deck that was just as good as you because he couldn't allow a drop-off to happen because his job's in jeopardy. He had to he had to start getting younger, quicker, faster, bigger, stronger plays in there. And that's what that's the reason why we had 
the owner, DeBartolo, he went and got guys. He went and got certain mm. players. He paid them well. Things of all that impacted us and made us the team and the franchise that we were in the 80s. That's right. You, know, you got that right. That was hey, that was the difference of, of guys going to to when in, when you going to Green Bay or Buffalo. Guys mm-hmm. wanted to come here. Yeah. Absolutely. So I mean, hmm. I mean. uh you know, it's it, these are amazing stories, and uh, you know, Niners Radio is going to bring bring more stories like this to you guys. Um, definitely go buy the book tomorrow, and uh, you know, next week uh, we will have a, another uh, 49er on, and then as well we will have Mike Schumann, and that'll be next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific time, and. Uh, Real quick, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will not play Saturday. He will play game two and three. Uh, D Ford, it looks like he will be limited um, for precaution reasons. Uh, do not expect uh, defensive end D Ford to play any games in preseason, it looks like. Um, and Akil, Weatherspoon, um, knee injury, got another uh, – got another shot in there uh looks like he should be ready to go in another two weeks so uh with that being said uh we would like to to thank everybody that came on niners radio today and until next tuesday this is brian eric and dina saying go niners good night everybody a b a b and d and e that's what b d and e let's not make it an offensive show next week I feel I feel